a fascinating event yesterday, not, was the Mueller testimony. Ari David, did you watch any of the Mueller testimony yesterday? The what? <laughs> there you go. And there you have it. <laughs> oh, man. What, a, what an absurdity. Look, normally speaking, we don't talk about you know, specific events of the past week. But this one is so emblematic of what's going on that it's worth talking about. Oh, it's a timeless event. It was it's, one it's of those, timeless. It was one of those moments like the moon landing or when JFK got That's shot true. where we will all remember where we were when. <laughs> when right? Good point, yes. Where were you for during six, that? For those six hours. Where were you during the Mueller testimony? Right, That's for right. those six I hours. Remember, I, I remember I, I was trying to kill myself because of the Mueller testimony. Anyway. I actually have a great answer. It wasn't my purview. <laughs> All right, so so let me kind of go through very very in broad strokes the the kind of the summary of everything that happened there in terms of ignoring a ignoring the genesis of what started the whole Russian collusion madness in the first place, meaning the GPS fusion false report that was funded by the Clinton campaign. Uh, that's it was a total fake story. And that, that Mueller didn't bother to even investigate the origins of the story. You would think that would be, you know, number one story. That, that, that's what you do. Let, let's compare it to the Jesse Smollett story. Okay, so Jesse Smollett, of course, lies and, and claims that he was beaten by two white nationalists in the streets in Chicago at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, presumably skinheads uh, with Nazis uh, tattoos and so on. Uh, who were both anti-gay and anti-black. And pro-Trump on the coldest night yes. in the history of Chicago in 400 years. So, so okay, so let's take that as, as an example. Right. But the only difference being that they actually, quote-unquote, catch the suspects, all right? And Jesse Smollett, of course, invents this whole thing, and he just finds two guys and says, those are the guys, okay? Arrest them. And then they arrest them because Jesse Smollett said this. That's the, he was the guy. And then it, very quickly, the story unravels, and the detectives realize that this story is a total hoax, right? But they still continue on with the investigation and the prosecution of these two guys who were innocent. Using that new standard of we can't exonerate We them, can't exonerate right? them. Yeah. Exactly right. So that's, that's the thing that was going on during the Russian collusion thing. You, you, you don't bother to inquire about what started the whole uh, investigation in the first place And then when you find out that what started it Was a total lie Was a fabrication You don't take that into serious consideration So that, that came out loud and clear During the Mueller testimony The other thing that came out loud and clear Is that there was no uh, travel to Russia uh, Or to these other cities To investigate uh, what, what happened supposedly Okay, and then likewise, nothing with uh, what's his name, uh, Steele. What's his first name? Christopher. Christopher Steele. So they they don't bother interviewing him. Uh, they, they that was as you said outside of the purview of his investigation or his jurisdiction. Incredible how he just kept on saying I don't know. So these guys, uh, Mueller in particular, of course, have no problem launching these horrible attacks upon the Republicans and in particular Trump. And then when it comes to challenging him, he says he gets to hide behind some sort of shield of investigation. So I get to say whatever I damn well please, as so long as it looks bad on Trump. And when you inquire about the, you know, my sources, well, I, you, you can't ask about that. Another thing that came out was that he relied entirely upon the media spin. There was approximately, in the volume two, by the way, which is the obstruction issue, Volume two, he made some 75 references to New York Times articles and something similar in number two Washington Post articles. Very little in the way of Fox News articles. It was, it was above zero, but not very much. Um, and like, <laughs> so it was based upon the spin upon the spin. <clears throat> it wasn't actually any investigation on the obstruction. So... <clears throat> Why would you rely on these these media sources to justify your obstruction report, right? I mean, aren't you supposed to be the direct source? For example, if, if Einstein, let's say, in his theory of relativity, right, he's writing a paper about it, trying to prove, right, and he 
<laughs> and he relies on what the New York Times says about the theory of relativity <clears throat> and then uses that as a basis as to this is why E equals MC squared. You'd say, uh, that doesn't work for me. I need direct source material, i.e. you and your own laboratory work, right? Yeah, but it is him because it's him who leaked it to yeah. his friends at the New York <laughs> Times. That's where it gets really... Yeah, oh, that, that, that's a good point. So it's a, it's a, cir- <laughs> it's a circular, circular spin. Oh my firing God. squad of horse crap. You know, uh, he they, leaks it to the New York Times. The New York Times published a rumor report. Then they use those rumor reports to obtain FISA warrants and do an investigation. It, it was... It's yeah, unbelievable. And, and they got they nailed them on the Roger Stone one of doing exactly this. Uh, Mr. Mueller, who on your team leaked the raid at Roger Stone's house to CNN? Yeah. So they were there covering it live. Who? Well, I don't know. That's not my that purview. That's, that's not my purview. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, <laughs> but but so, my uh, point is that's emblematic of exactly the logic of this, how the media was used as the weaponized <clears throat> tool to provide in a rumor the evidence that they should go forward. The word of the day is emblematic. 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 Okay. So <laughs> I, I think we said it like three times. The There's so much emblematics of stuff going on here, meaning it's like an emblem, right? You know, you, you, yeah. the, one, the ma- one main concept that that's going on here. So this, the Mueller investigation and the, 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 the madness that surrounds the Mueller investigation is emblematic of the Democratic Party's main mission at this point, which is they have no mission. But two other things that came out. One, one is. I was just saying because they know they're going to lose the election. They are in they 2020. Are. They do. They got. do. So there's two other things that came out. So the other thing was that Mueller just looked. Uh, he looked tired. He looked uh, confused. He looked like his memory was totally off. At one point, he didn't even know what GPS fusion was. Right. I mean, the, he he sounded like I don't know what you're talking about. This GPS fusion, when of course that's you. You could not have. You could not have missed this had you not been living under a rock for the past two years. And, of course, he's in the Mueller. But you, you'd think somebody would whisper to him, by the way, Mr. Mueller, there's this thing called GPS infusion that, you know, was the thing that started this whole thing. You would think that it would be somewhere. But that's what happens in the Democrat echo chamber if where you, you don't hear anything. The New York Times and the Washington Post. Yeah, yeah you hear only your own, your own echoes. That's about it. Yeah, Jeffrey Bezos and Pinch Holzberger mm. didn't tell me about it. So... It doesn't exist. But, does but it? seriously, he looked so lost. He looked like, uh, you know, a deer in the headlights most of the time. He kept on saying, what? what? Who am I? Where am I? You know, it, it was, I, I felt like he was Grandpa Simpson. You know, it's from, I, he was so confused all the time, talking about the war in the old days. And that's, what the, that's why they call it uh, Johnny Five Cent, because it was the, like, like a nickel at the time. Grandpa Simpson Grandpa Simpson Into my belt Yeah The James Stockwell School of debate prep Yeah That's what it was that was Exactly The, the, the last thing I, could, I know we can talk more About other things That you perceive To have come out <clears throat> From this whole thing Was that they kept on Bringing up The whole Russian collusion thing I mean it wasn't just The obstruction stuff Never mind that Volume 1 Which was the collusion issue uh, Made it very clear <clears throat> That there was no evidence To justify a collusion Attack upon the president administration or, or him directly. But they kept on bringing it up. Oh, you know, he wanted to build the hotel in Moscow. Oh, you know, they had a couple of meetings with his son and otherwise to talk about uh, um, dirt that they could get or uh, releasing sanctions or relieving sanctions upon Russia if and when Donald Trump ever became president. Um, so they, they kept on digging this up, hoping to revive this thing. Well, you know, Mueller, who was in your pocket the entire time for two and a half years, uh, found nothing in that. And he, he said very clearly, I found nothing. Um, of course, not saying exoneration, but nevertheless, found nothing. But they get, what's his name? The guy from Pasadena. Um, Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff. Yeah, no, he went on a, on a tear about this whole issue, saying this is what it's all about. And okay, fine. Uh, Mueller said very differently, and he had many more, much more in the way of resources. So, I'm sorry, my friend, you lose. You, you, you pulled the, the trigger on this collusion investigation. You expected, you spent $25 million in the process, and now you found out that there's nothing there. Well, now you have to eat it, right? That's just the way it is. It's like a, a lawsuit. If you accuse somebody of something and then you actually file a lawsuit and you lose it, well, 
and then they found that you have no evidence about it, well then, you know, you, you can't, you have to live by it. You can't just continue to make the argument. A, a court of public opinion in this case has made a decision. And in this case, there's an actual investigation by a special investigator chosen by uh, the bipartisan Congress to move forward with this and the, the love child of the, of the Democrats only to find out that he didn't go the way that they wanted him to. Was he chosen by Rob Rosenstein, Democrat operative in the FBI? Well, there you go. I mean, DOJ, I get them all confused. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. whatever. The, the other thing that's so interesting, though, is Nolte at Breitbart, my favorite writer. He's awesome. Wrote an article that this was published this morning. Talked about that the way uh, Mueller behaved, he looked like a guilty man, like a dirty cop who was caught. And after thinking about it, with all the stammering, I mean, either he was the worst salesman for hearing aids ever, okay, with all the, I didn't hear you repeat the question. <laughs> Nolte makes a point. He was delaying. He was pulling a George Costanza, just kind of taking a powder on every question. The way OJ would have in the civil trial where he had to go on the stand. Did you kill Ron Nicole? Uh, that was outside my purview, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, you know, I know, I know you work purview. in Brentwood, and I know I've been citing the OJ case for ever since we started this seven years ago, and you usually roll your eyes at me, but I think this was actually a useful one. You know, he, he was he was caught red-handed, right. Mueller. He had nothing, and so he decided to play Grandpa Simpson. Yeah, because you know, he's yep, not yep, that yep. dumb. Yeah. Okay. Who so, appointed you? Uh, some guy. What's your name? That's beyond my purview. Beyond <laughs> my purview. <laughs> so, the word purview means everything relevant to the case. Well, okay. But, listen, but you have to admit that the word purview sounds very cool. It's I mean, much better than it's saying just, I plead the fifth. <laughs> oh, and it's much. Uh, it's much better than saying what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, purview. That, that, that sounds very exciting. You know, it's, that's, like, that's a good one. And then you can all see the Democrats turn to each other. Purview. Like he, yeah, it's not within his purview. No, 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 no. no. purview is when they see the movies. All right. I always come for the purview. You know what? You're a purview. <laughs> He's so purviewed. Anyway. Your sister is a thespian. <laughs> don't, don't say that about my sister. <laughs> no, no, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Anyway. I have to always move him on. Anyway, the other issue that came out is this word exoneration. We, we briefly mentioned that just now. So once again, the Democrats pursue this sentence that Mueller said somewhere in his report to the effect of this does not exonerate the president from being uh, a colluder with Russian. Okay, we're, we're just, we just say we don't have enough evidence. That doesn't mean that he's exonerated from it. And wink, wink, nudge, nudge, maybe you want to pursue that Congress because I, even though I, you spent 25 million with me and I found nothing, <laughs> but maybe, maybe a different grandpa can, can get a find I, I know how you hate me doing this, but this report does not exonerate Donald Trump from the Manson murders, the OJ murders, right. or the kidnapping of the Lindbergh baby. Yeah, no, it's, it's, no, <laughs> or I, the Black Dahlia I, murder. I do like that. I, I think they might as well say that. They, they, you, know, he, he, he's, you cannot exonerate Donald Trump for these child prostitution rings in London, for that matter. Okay, it's just, Or shooting Kennedy. Right. Either of them. Yeah, maybe he's part of ISIS. You can't. He can't exonerate him. Right. <laughs> That's right. He can't exonerate. <laughs> so, it's such a Stalinistic standard so of justice. Yeah, but but there's like one of the representatives, the Republican representatives, I think it was Turner, he said, there's no Department of Exoneration right. that you go to. You know, first you go to the courts, and uh, now you go to the Department of Exoneration and uh, clear your name completely. So th that, you know, I don't know who famously said it. Um, but he said uh, when he was falsely accused, it was a horrible thing. And uh, finally, the charges against him were dropped, of course. And he said, I just want to know where I, I, I have to go to get my name back. Right? That's exoneration in a sense. Yeah. But, there is, but he knows that there's no such thing as an exoneration. There, only, only one time in recent history, at least, do I know of a story where uh, some wrongfully accused defendants were exonerated in the sense that they were, they didn't use the word exoneration, but they said that these boys are specifically innocent of the charges. That was 
Mm, so I think that's a university that plays basketball <laughs> in the Carolinas, and that's this right. was a lacrosse team. It's a lacrosse team. I'm using um, Blasey Ford's "Everything's a Question" <laughs> that's statement. Right. Oh no, the but, Duke lacrosse case. <laughs> not, not enough of, of a girly voice, by the way. You need to. Hey. It's like a little child, please. Anyway, uh, so the Duke lacrosse case, of course, it was such a outrageous, outrageous statements. And so the, the prosecutor who, who replaced uh, Nifong, uh, who was a Democrat, by the way, the Nifong guy, was, he was running as a Democrat. And it's just, it's so, like, your party's so freaking evil, man. I just, right. I don't get it. Like, totally out to make a name for herself. Yeah, they're Google evil. Yeah. That's how bad they, they, they are. Yeah, no, they, you know what? Well, that's not nice. That is going too far, my friend. I, listen. They're not that uh, evil. They're not. Come yeah, on. They are. Dude, dude. I mean, Nifong is Nifong. I mean, what he did was bad. I, I grant you that. But Google evil? That, I don't know, man. Let's, yeah. let's see. Okay, anyway, uh, the point is that he went that far. And, and then the, the prosecutor who, who replaced him, I forget his name, he specifically found those boys to be innocent. And he had, I mean, he went on a limb to do so. But there was no DNA evidence of it. All the, the stories were con so contradicting that it was, it was very easy for him to an announce them to be innocent. And these boys... We're fine after that. Um, so they didn't miss any job opportunities or anything. Thank God. Point is that they, they went through hell. And there is no exoneration at the end of the day. There's, we just don't do that. We, we can say, look, you brought up these charges. We found out that, you know, the accusations are not credible. Um, anything can happen. But nevertheless, they're not credible. Okay? So... Uh, so this this notion it's it's a false standard that they've thrown out out there and expect Donald Trump to dance around. Um, but but when it comes to Hillary Clinton or Bill Clinton or everything else, you know, it's I mean, you know, even Bill Clinton didn't say I was exonerated of all these wrongful charges, right? Because he wasn't actually convicted in the Senate. He just wasn't convicted in the Senate, and that was that. That's a, that's a true statement. But there's no exoneration going on. Oh my! The the things that people will do to protect their own party. I have to tell you, if I were to find out, for example, that you know it's it's not you know right or wrong, it's my party sort of thing. Uh, if if I were to find that Donald Trump, for example, and I I don't mean to even suggest it because I don't think it happened by any stretch of the imagination, could be wrong. But if I were to find out, for example, that Donald Trump had engaged in illicit behavior with Jeffrey Epstein on, uh, on, on his island, Jeffrey Epstein's island with the young children, uh, I would do everything I could to make sure this, this president would lose the presidency uh, for re-election. Uh, I would give it to even Kamala Harris because I would be so... I, I would hope that some other Republican would take over, of course, but nevertheless, if there were only a choice between Kamala Harris and, and Donald Trump... As somebody who had done something something that nefarious, I would fight against him. Um, but but when the, when it's the Democrats, anything goes with them. I would say, and their people don't leave. Yeah, they, I they mean, don't. I, one of our friends asked the question uh, based on Ilan Omar's behavior and said, "If we had an Ilan Omar behaving exactly like Ilan Omar is behaving." Let's leave the other idiots out of this one, those other three. Let's just take Omar. Let's, it's always easiest to isolate to one thing. But if we had one Ilan Omar in the Republican Party and the rest of the party was defending her the way the Democrats are, we'd say, screw this ship. We're done here. That's right. We are done. Yep. And <clears throat> yes, a lot of Democrats, to their credit, are walking away. And more Jews every day who vote, have been voting Democrat all these decades are slowly but surely figuring it out. But if this happened in our party, we jump ship now. I, and and I, so thousands I, of us go that I, day. I, I did leave for exactly that reason. I mean, I, I left when I found out that the Democrats really were so hostile to Israel. And it's not just, I'm not a one-issue voter, but Israel is a very big part of it. Israel is emblematic. There's that word again. Where you stand on Israel is emblematic of your moral compass. Right, it's if a you, watershed moment that's right. everything else you, you, in so many ways. That's right. In the same way, you know what? I like this analogy. When you go do a physical, right, with a doctor, one of the first I'm questions— I'm eating meat. <laughs> Would you let me finish? So when you go to a doctor for a physical, one of the first questions he will ask you is, how is your sex life? How is your sex drive? How, how, you know, do, are, you, are you sexually active? You know, all that good stuff. 
And, and why does he ask you that question? Because he knows that if you have virtually no libido or very, you know, very tepid in, in the sexual department, that's a, that's a symptom that you are very unhealthy. Other things are not working well within your body. Uh, it could be a blood pressure issue, it could be high cholesterol issue, it could be a whole bunch of different things, but sexuality, your sexual drive, is something, it's like the last thing that shuts down. I'm sorry, it's the first, what am I saying? It's, it's the, the first, first thing that, it's the shuts, first thing that down shuts down when there's problems. Right, because the rest of your body, like a spaceship, like in all those movies that you see, they, they redirect energy to where it's absolutely necessary, right? So they shut down the things that are not, and the last thing that goes is life support, right? Likewise, uh, the first thing that gets shut down in the body is your sexual drive. It's a sign that something's going wrong. Likewise, where you stand vis-a-vis -vis Israel is a reflection of the rest of your moral body, if you will. How do you like that? Yeah. So I can tell everything about anybody I want to know. If you, if you are hostile to Israel, I don't, I'm not talking about like you have to love Bibi Netanyahu or something like that. I, I, I'm, you know, the, the reasonable minds can differ We're as to— are talking about being hostile to the idea of Israel. Exactly. Or, or, you know, saying that Israel needs to give up everything and Israel's a, a fascist or an apartheid nation. When you start speaking like that, I know that you're an idiot, for one thing. And I can, I can literally dismiss you. Uh, I certainly don't want to be your yeah, friend. You know, there's two possibilities at that point. Either you're incredibly ill-informed, we call that being an idiot, or you're incredibly evil because you hate the Jews and there's something wrong with you. Right. One and, of and, those two. And if they're uninformed and they're only uh, parroting whatever CNN has been telling them, then you then there's a redemption for them. You can say, well, let me tell you a little bit about the history. And, and then they say, oh, okay, great. And then they can easily you know, understand. I mean, I don't know what's 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 so hard to understand. It's the only it's the only democracy in the in the Middle East, and it's a real democracy. It's the only one that allows gays to thrive. In fact, you know it has the gay pride parade, in, and that's even bigger than it is here. Women are allowed to work, uh, you know, with with, and they have far more presence in the workforce than than even here in America. If you're an Arab or black or anything else, no no issue whatsoever. Um, and if by contrast, in the Middle East, if you're in anywhere in the Arab world and you're gay, well, you're dead. And if you're a woman uh, in, in most Arab countries, you, you're going to wish you, you were dead. It's not, it's not a good place to live. But Israel is awesome and has a, a, a fantastic moral code. And like you said, either you're dramatically uninformed or you're dramatically anti-Semitic. Uh, so that's the way it is. And, and I changed my mind when I realized that. I realized that I was constantly defending Israel to my Democrat friends who were giving me this one eyebrow thing that, you know, I don't know, sort of look, every time that I was trying to explain to them. And, and they also, well, well, so says you, Barack, about this. Well, no, so knows I, because I've been in Israel. I was born in Israel. I know all about Israel politics. I know about Israel, the, the, the real life there. You've never been there. You can't even tell me what the size of Israel is. You can't even tell me what the, the, the population of Israel. You don't even know what the government structure of Israel is. And you're telling me how to think about Israel. Yeah, and most importantly, I've always thought this is the most important thing because this is important. <laughs> right. It ignores what those other countries around Israel are like. Well, I just the said ones that. dedicated to their to their didn't to I just say that, folks? Did I not just say that? Because you're not taking into account the difference between good and evil in any way. And the reason I think this stands out so starkly in the Democrat Party is because so many of their other policies are trying to skirt moral bounds. Yes. Right. Yes. So. I've always looked at it like, okay, fine. If you want to endorse pornography, <laughs> sexual decadence, abortion rights, or, or floating point values on termination of pregnancy for, for choice reasons, et cetera, et cetera, it's really important to me as, as a kid, I saw this, that the Demo and as a young person, and this helped me leave the Democrat Party too, that it had to be really, really clear on two or three things, the two things that came most to mind was your stance toward the Soviet Union and your stance on Israel. Right. And when I started seeing them grow squirrely on the moral condemnation of the Soviet Union and 
the moral tolerance <coughs> or protection of Israel. These are two non questions, right. they're like non issues, but they reveal that the rest of the decadence in the party is really unacceptable because you have no moral cover in any other sort of way. All right, so we, we talked about Israel, but I, 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 you know, I want to use that as an example um, of where people stand on, on these issues. But it, it, going back to Mueller now. Okay, so we're, we're back in the Mueller uh, investigation and, and now the recent testimony. When you, when you watch this and you're a Democrat and you cringe naturally because most, most Democrat outlets, to their credit, said this was a disaster. <laughs> yes. Right? CNN and MSNBC both said uh, this did not go well at all. And uh, they, they basically think the impeachment train is now, no, you know, has, has left the station. There's, there's no going back at this point, and I think they're right to, to be worried about that and move on to some other crazy issue. Uh, go, let's, go, let's go impeach Kavanaugh. Why not? You know, <laughs> let's go all that's, over. Yeah, that's the <laughs> Back on that train. Yeah. But the point is, what is this all about at the end of the day? I mean, this was all about power. Power, you know, if, if this is now the final nail in the coffin or if you want the, the other side of the bookend— um, you know what? What did we learn from this whole process? Uh, this this Shakespearean tragedy called the Mueller investigation, because that's what it was. It was based on, upon arrogance and hubris, the no, and an ego that somehow by wanting something to be a certain way, and the power that you want driving that want, that therefore it will happen. Talk that like reality distortion field. It was a reality yeah. distortion. That was what this was all about, Ari, where they created this, this fabricated story of the GPS fusion and otherwise to justify the, the, the warrant and everything else that we just talked about. And then they believe their own lies. And then they, they just want to forget whatever started the, the lie, the investigation. And then they, they figure, well, you know, uh, gosh, I, I, I guess that's what's happening. It means a little bit like a guy. In fact, it's very much like a guy crowding, fi yelling fire in a crowded theater, and everyone panics, and he himself is running out, and then uh, you know he's on his phone and he forgets what happened, and and he says, "Hey, why is everyone out in the street? Oh, apparently there's a there was a fire in this building," and and and, and he says, "Really? Oh my gosh! I hope everyone's okay." Yeah, I see it in the New York <laughs> Times. It's right here. It's right here. It, uh, and it was also. The last really, it, it, because all of the Obama administration was a reality distortion field. Everything was a fake. Everything. Yeah. Okay. Whether it was scandalous or not, it was all nonsense. And this was essentially the last two and a half year act of the final chapter of the Obama administration doing its thing to America. And in a final strange act, it was. Like, you know how we talked over the years about all the institutions they, they, they destroyed, right? Whether it's marriage or this or that, the other. The, you know, this, this dumpster fire through our institutions, <clears throat> the things that protected us. And here it is, the, in a final act, you have the mass surveillance of all these Americans. <laughs> CIA activity on American citizens, on American soil. Yeah. Okay? The... Uh, now, and a presidential candidate. And a presidential candidate. Mm -hmm. A system of now bifurcated justice. One system of justice for these people, one system of justice for those. And everyone pretending that this is normal. Wait, wait, wait. You, you, have, a, you have a problem with that. No, I don't. It's, <laughs> it's fine. It's totally cool. Totally cool. White people bad, everyone else whatever. And then finally, and I think this was the big one we saw yesterday, and this was the big moment. I wrote a little note here that... The reason this was so big is because for the first time in three years, notwithstanding Trump's speeches on live TV and his tweeting that cuts through the media messaging and narrative firewalls, on live TV, everyone, on every channel, I was flipping, it was on 2, 4, 7, 11, wall-to-wall on -wall all four networks. A couple of the local channels in L.A. had it too, and PBS, let alone Fox News and the, you know, CNN and those people. So the, the amount of, this was like Super Bowl-wide audience. And this is important, okay? But for the first time in these many years, everyone on every network <coughs> heard the conservative side. And for the first time in my memory, beyond Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and a few of the people in talk radio, like Levin and, and Rush, 
the Republican Congress people doing the questioning were brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Jim Jordan, that guy uh, from Texas, I know what Hutchinson. Radcliffe, I think it was also. Yeah, uh, Radcliffe. Yeah. They nailed these guys, nailed them for all to see. And right. then I was watching CBS specifically. N- by I, the way, Nunes was also very Nunes, good. Nunes, of course. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, it was like having Rush Limbaugh and Mark Levin and Larry Elder and Brock Lurie and Des Prager doing the, the questioning and the interrogation. It was brilliant. And when they, they turned to the Democrats like Jackie Spear and Ted Lieu, they had nothing. Right. They, had, they had a pants full of empty limp, okay? When, when the Republicans were doing it, they were educating the public, many of whom have never watched Fox News, seen Hannity, seen Tucker, listened to Limbaugh, ever heard Mifsud, GPS, Christopher Sill, never heard any of it. And for the first time, they heard it. It was a big backfire. And, and it was a big, but it was, it backfired because the media opened the cannon and fired it themselves for all to see. It wasn't only contained on the cable newsers. And the biggest thing to my point about the the Obama administration's final act of running a dumpster fire and napalming our institutions was the exoneration standard you talked about for a moment a moment before, yeah. which yeah. is so huge because that guy um, who had who was going through all those law books <clears throat> said, "Isn't innocent through until proven guilty our standard, right. our American standard, right. our if you will institution?" And here you are bringing up the exoneration standard. Right. And it only, what the and, to the and, f? And, and, and and Mueller said that well, this is a unique circumstance. Okay. Uh, even if it were unique, so what justifies an exoneration standard that has never been applied in the history of America, right? So, I mean, yes, every case is unique, just like a, every snowflake is, is unique in its own way, but, but you still got to treat every snowflake. It still it still freezes at 32 uh, you know, degrees Fahrenheit. Right, exactly. right? I mean, there's certain standards that, yeah. Okay. And, but I just want to finish the thought. Uh-huh. One, one thing that I think is so interesting here is it wasn't... Mueller, who was rep- who really was the revealed emperor with no clothes, it was Obama. Oh, this yeah. was on live TV showing Obama's fingerprints, Obama's work, yes, Obama's yes. attitude on display on every network. And they're, even on CBS, where after you watched ABC, they told you it was XYZ. Okay. Commentary. All right. All right. No one believed it. So now it's, look, the ultimate lesson to be learned from all this is that this was, it was this naked power uh, a grab, or at least attempted a grab, really on full display, and it was it was frightening to see how it was and and how the Democrats, the, the congressmen in particular, were thinking that they could get away with this. That that was the beauty of it. That you know that people say things in court yes. all the time, right? That and you just say, "Wow, I, Your Honor, I can't believe that it actually expects you or this jury to believe." That you know, you know, it's not what it looks like. I mean, it's like that scene from Working Girl where right, that, right? right. Where that, what you think? Yeah. So, so yeah. just to remind you, the guy goes, you know, a, a woman gets fired from a job. She comes home back to her apartment a little early because of that, and she's very, very depressed, of course, only to find her boyfriend totally naked on a bed, and there's another woman on top of him, you know, doing the doing the you know what. And he, he's caught red-handed, and he turns to her, and he after a pause says. It's not what it looks like. <laughs> like, and then she rolls her eyes, closes the door, and it was a hysterical moment. But that's the way it is. These, these Democrats think the exact same thing. It's, that's right. it's not what it looks like. Yeah, that, you know, that's exactly what the CBS commentators say. Chuck Todd, to his credit, called it a disaster. But CBS, it was. It's not what it looks like. It's not what you think. Okay, so what? What's the obvious thing that's going on here? It's it's a power grab. It's an attempt to 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 pretend as if. This whole charade was not a charade. That somehow there was some legitimacy to the arguments whatsoever. It was. It was. Nobody bought it. At the end of the day, even the Democrats themselves didn't buy it. It was a power grab. It's all about power, and that this may be one of the great moments in history where things worked so poorly for one party that it it unraveled itself. It may be a, a conversion moment. Look, we've talked a, a lot about. And, and I, I tend to look at all elections in this one way, and I think I'm somewhat unique in this department. I'm very interested in the individual voter who is either on the fence or who is a moderate Democrat or a moderate Republican, for that matter, and how it impacts them. Because at the end of the day, what sways elections are not 
you know, that we convert more people to, be, to think more like us. You and I will vote for Trump for re-election, no issue. We, we understand the, the stakes at play. What, what really changes the dynamic is when people have a sense that they are voting for a leader, for one thing, very important, <clears throat> whether they can trust that leader, um, whether they're going in the right direction and all those things. That's what's really important. And there is also an element of disgust where people say, I can't, tr I can't trust this person. This person, what, what he or she did is just wrong. And conversion moments are very important to look at. Because just in the same way that I had a conversion moment, and it was literally a moment when, when George Bush said, uh, respected Israel's sovereignty and said so on national TV in a, in a passing quip to a reporter. It wasn't a, even a prepared statement. I liked it so much, and I said, okay, you got my vote for yeah, 2004. See, it was so real. It was, it was real. You, you didn't even have to think about it. It, it, was, it, the was, core, it was the core thing. Yeah. So, so, look, we could do a whole show on conversion moments, and maybe we should, not, not for this thing. But among them would be, for example, uh, what happened with Planned Parenthood and the sale of uh, baby parts. I think that converted a lot of people, whether they realize it or not. Anyone who heard that story... Uh, if they were ever on the fence of, of whether abortion was right or wrong, um, they'd said, okay, this is the natural consequence of allowing abortion on demand and making abortion a business like it is for Planned Parenthood. Yeah, and having no restrictions on right. it. Right. And then, uh, then another, speaking, uh, related to abortion, you know, passing the law by, by Virginia or Vermont or New York, I forget which ones. All I, three. All three? Okay. Yeah. And, and there, there's more coming where you can have an abortion virtually. If for all intents and purposes, you can have an abortion up to the date of birth and beyond. And beyond. Uh, so people yeah, say... Yeah, Buzz Lightyear abortion exactly. And beyond. Yeah, right. <laughs> Promotions <laughs> and beyond. Yes. So the date of birth and, and beyond. beyond. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> as the wings fly out as he, as he says it. Anyway, um, you know, that, that was a conversion moment. People, I'm telling you, people are totally turned off by that. There's something, you know, there, there are many moderate uh, pro-choice people out there that, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, they think it's a woman's right to choose, um, you know, there, there's, but, but there are four restrictions. There is a bridge too far for them. And that was a bridge too far. Yeah, I mean, way too murder, far. It's now murder. Yeah, it's, right? it's murder's murder. Yeah. Uh, so and that was Gosnell another conversion. as well. But Gosnell. that's a... But, but so many conversion moments are happening. Antifa, all this stuff with Antifa, yeah. right? So, like, I don't know about you, but I got to tell you, if I were a Democrat and I just saw this stuff happening in my party's name, Right. These are the people that love to, you know, glom uh, David Duke to, to Donald Trump because David Duke voted for Donald Trump, or at least so he said. Therefore, that's, you know, an indictment of of Donald Trump. Right. And he must be a fascist. He must be KKK member because a KKK member wants him to be president. Right. I mean, never mind all the communists and, every, and, and uh, Black Panthers and other violent thugs that voted for Obama. Right. That that's OK. That, then there's a total disassociation. But when it comes to you know Donald Trump, then then he has to he gets to be judged by the company that votes for him, not even the company he keeps, but the company that votes for him. But here now we're getting to the point where even the Democrats are beginning to see that that the company that votes for them, the kind of people that vote for the Democratic platform, are crazy, and there's just too many of them. You don't have the thuggery. That you that they claim to be happening yeah, on the Republican Party side. Yeah, it's not as Larry side. Elder calls it the Elvis factor, where eight percent of people are a little nuts and two percent are really nuts, right? Right. Right. In their party, when you see what's happening on the streets of Portland, and on mass, you know, right. huge numbers of black-clad thugs with masks on beating up anyone who they perceive is disagreeing with them. Right. And then the Black Lives Matter people screaming, burn this bitch down, and then they start fires and riots in the name of a guy who attacked a cop? Right. right? Another, I, I mean, Yeah, but another, con another conversion moment, I think, happened when, in the Democratic debates recently, where I forget which moderator asked it, but he asked, who here is for... Um, giving free medical uh, <laughs> services illegal aliens, yeah. to Ill illegal aliens. And, and literally every single one raised their hand, at least that were on the stage at that time. I would yeah. think it was 10 of them. And uh, that was a conver conversion yeah. moment because that's right. madness. Yeah. That's, th that it showed 
that we are going in a really bad direction. <laughs> right. If anybody party. has a sense, this, yeah, this party. party. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sorry. And 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 then another one. It was a much simpler moment, but I know it had that effect on live TV. Moderate has better O'Rourke a question, and suddenly someone pressed two, <laughs> and they got the Spanish. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but it was it was such a, what do you call it a brown nosing or pandering. You know, pandering. That's yeah. what I'm, I'm actually looking for. Pandering. The word. The second word of the day is pandering. pandering. It, was, <laughs> it was emblematic pandering. <laughs> yes. Was it not? Yes. <laughs> oh. Uh, you get extra points today. Yes, Woo. I like it. Emblematic <laughs> pandering, and that's why we call this show emblematic pandering. No, we're not. We're not calling that's it a emblematic. Great title. I'm no, just writing it down. Here. It's, it's you know like the Sports Center top ten plays of the day. It's a nominee. Okay. okay. All right. All emblematic. Right. That's right. Pandering. This is more. It's more like Family Feud. How many people here thinks you know what? What should be the top of the board? You know. Survey says <laughs> emblematic pandering. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well, wait, wait, wait. Forget the title of the episode. I want you to write your next books and call them. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. So moving on to these conversion moments, and there's so many of them. Uh, You know, the also the uh, you know the uh, transgender issues where now you got to do the he she so you know look if you if you vote Democrat for 2020, okay, you're going to get more of this crap. This this uh, what do you call it? Fun with pronouns. Yeah, Orwellian uh, restrictions on language and demands and criminalization of... They don't want you to criminalize a a doctor performing an abortion, right? Because, you know, a woman's right to choose and all that. But they will criminalize you if you you refer to someone as a he when he wants to be referred as a she, right? Or you dead name him. Oh, that's that's far worse, you understand. Okay? You should be able to kill your baby with no... With no repercussions whatsoever, it's only a moral issue. But when it comes to whether you call somebody he or she, that you go to prison for that. Yeah. Okay, people understand that's wackadoodle. Okay, it's just wacky. You vote for a Democrat, you get more wackiness. Yeah, you that's, vote for that's a what's going to happen. You're going to get more Mullers. Yeah, more shifts. Yeah, more Pelosi's, more squads. I mean, how are they not making this absolutely clear to you? Yeah, if you want that idiocy. Vote that way. Right. Go ahead. It's, it, it's your choice. Here's another conversion moment. Uh, the black vote. Okay. You have, uh, what's his name? Uh, Johnson. I think he was not, was it Robert Johnson maybe? Lyndon R.? No, no. The, the president of, I think it's BET t- Television. Oh, Robert Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Saying Trump did a good job he, last he, week. He was a diehard Democrat. He voted for Hillary Clinton, I think, in 2016. Yeah. And now he's saying, I'm voting for her in 2020, and I don't know why anybody would vote for a Democrat. Oh, my God. That's Oops. like death. To the Democratic parties, uh, to a party, because it, you cannot win uh, the presidency without a substantial, very substantial percentage of the black vote. You cannot do it. And they are looking down the barrel of a gun if they do not get uh, at least 90 percent of the black vote. That's right. And I think maybe even 95 percent. But No, they uh, get 95 every time. I think the number they is need at least they 90. get to 90 they're safe. Right. If they lose one percentage of the black vote right. below 90, they lose everything. Right. It's, it's you know, the black vote for the Democratic Party is like Ohio is for Republicans. We, right. we have to, if we have any hope of winning, we still, we have to win. It doesn't even guarantee, it doesn't guarantee a win, but it's a necessary but not sufficient win, Ohio. Yes. So if we lose Ohio, it means we've lost the election. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, a lot of effort on that. It's only because it's emblematic. There's that word again. <laughs> so, and I'm not pandering to you when I use that word emblematic. Let's just put it that way. I know. Yeah, okay. It works. So conversion moments are big. And I think the Mueller testimony was a big conversion moment for a lot of people. A lot of Democrats who were actually interested in the news, who sat and watched this and heard, you know, let's say thoughtful Democrats who are willing to listen to testimony and see the play-by-play. And if you see it as, let's say, like a football game, right, and you, you watch your team starting to lose dramatically and just fumbling and, you know, being intercepted and getting sacked all the time and just making, you know, bad field, field kicks, you know, field goal kicks, just everything's going off. And you may like your team because, you know, you've always been associated with that team. That's fine. I get that. But then at some point you say, you know, my team sucks. 
And the other team, they're just playing it better, and they they, they seem to be. They're not cheating or anything. Yeah, it's happened just, my team ever since 2003. <laughs> okay, I'm, yeah, I, I'm with absolutely. you. I'm with you. But, but we but, still but, love our team. But you know, we don't vote for our team if we want the team to be winners to run the country. Right. Exactly. <laughs> now, there's a big difference here. This analogy does break down very quickly because this is not about. It's first of all, it's not a game. Secondly, and it's about facts. You you can't change the facts. And 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 in my in my scenario, it's just. You know, people just not being fast enough, being accurate enough, or planning better, you know, well enough. And that the, the team that doesn't do that, well, they lose. Okay. But that's a fair game, so to speak. Here, we're beginning to see evil. The, the, you know, the, in the football game analogy I gave you, it's not a question between good and evil. It's a question between, you know, who plays smarter and who doesn't. Yeah, that's good it. players, bad players. That's it. That's it's, it. It's not, you know, you don't label, oh, well, you know, the, the Jets lost, so they're evil. You know, it, it doesn't work that way, right? <laughs> so, but in Congress, what we're, what we're seeing, and to amplify the game analogy, is we're seeing, oh, my gosh, I'm now seeing that my team is not only inept and asks bad questions, but they're transparently evil. They are they are going the wrong direction. They are, uh, they are lying to me. I don't like being lied to. Somebody said to me, one of my clients, and we, we've become very close friends, he said a very nice thing about me. He said, Barack, I think that very little gets under your skin. You seem to have a good, tough skin, and you take, you take things in stride, and your love of God is so much so that if somebody were to insult you, you would let it roll off your back. But I'm going to guess, Barack, that there's one thing about you, and I think I'm right, <clears throat> That really bothers you. You know, it's, um, you know, there's, there are many things. I mean, if somebody, you know, did something harmful to my children, of course, that would bother me. But I'm talking about words. And I said, what is that? And he said, if somebody thinks that they can deceive you, that they lie to you and they expect you to believe their lies, that bothers you, right? <laughs> and I said, you, I call him Bob. Bob, you are so right. I... I, it bothers me so much, so right? True. It's so yeah. true. You know me. That's what you hate like, more than anything. I else. hate it so much yeah. because it's it is an insult to my intelligence. Right. Uh, and, and I want to give everyone <clears throat> out there just a word of advice. If you're like me and you ever work for or with Barack, and you screw something up, you know, you 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 know what the dog, right? Just tell him. That's right. You poop the bed. Just tell him. Yeah. Rock. The sheets are full of crap, and it's mine. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Right. It's exactly right. Um, you know, at the end of the day, what happens is that if I, I even tell these people, you know, and I tell them in, in anticipation, please, if you make a mistake, just admit it. Chances are, not only will I say, don't worry about it, but I'll say, thank you, and I'll even reward you for, for being so you know, open about it. it. It means a lot to me. I will respect you enormously because I'll understand the courage it took for you to admit your mistake. Okay. So it's a good thing. It's a nice, it's a nice quality that I, I, I bestow upon the person who's telling me the mistake. And I like to think it's a nice quality about me that I, I reward honesty dramatically. And, and my firm, I got to tell you, people have come up to me and said, you know, they've made mistakes and I said, okay, no problem. A lot of times it's really no problem. Um, it's the lying that would be a problem, of course. Right. But most that's, of the time that they think they're made a terrible mistake, it's like, oh, that's, that's not a big deal. You don't need to, uh, let's for example, um, uh, mail serve versus personally serving a, um, a, per, a particular document. And they forgot to personally serve this document. And I'll say to them, oh, you know, Jerry, again, there's nobody named Jerry in my office. Uh, Jerry, don't worry about it. You don't even need to personally serve it. It's, it's all mail service. No, no harm, no foul. But I appreciate your, your telling me about it. That was cool. And... And sometimes there are real mistakes, and we talk about it. We try to most of the time. I think ninety-five percent of the time, we can rectify the problem if it's done early enough, right? And I tell I. them if they tell you, right? And I t- deceive you. I, I tell you, you know, there's many times I've made mistakes. I mean, hell, I mean, I've tons of mistakes, and I probably more mistakes than these people are now admitting to me about. So I tell them I of want. Course. I want to, all you're doing is practicing law. You're not <laughs> exactly. perfecting. There you go. Right? Well, I'm not even, you tell everyone that I'm, I practice law. <laughs> Judge, I'm just practicing right. with an apostrophe. Practicing. <laughs> We're all just practicing. So, what, really you, want me to do, you want me to do a real game here? Right. It's only really, really scary when you go to a doctor who's practicing. You know, well, it's like it's like, uh, it's like the, the cousin Vinny character. You know, like, what you were serious about that? 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, wait, 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 wait. You hate the deception. I hate it. You hate it even more, not only with its deception, but when you blame others in your deception. Right. And that's so, what we saw yesterday. And that's what we saw. Exactly right. So in the Mueller testimony, all this stuff, how many people out there, uh, Democrats, who are thoughtful Democrats, who they, they have to be thoughtful, I mean, to, to watch this nonsense, right? right? To, to, to think that they're going to get great testimony out of this man and, you know, have a gotcha against Trump. Something will come out. I understand that because they're such diehards. And then these people watch and they see this man fall apart and obviously hiding information, ignoring important other information as well. And you just say, oh, my God. What have I done? Why am I with this team? And these Republicans are asking, you know, frankly, legitimate questions. And why did we have this investigation in the first place again? Remind me. Wiretap? You mean they did wiretap? They were spying on yeah. And I, I just thought of something, too. I looked over at my phone. A, a text message came in. I just sort of looked at it, made sure it wasn't my wife saying the house was on fire. Right. It happened to be AT&T saying I used up blah, blah, blah data. They're charging me 10 bucks. Big deal, right? So nothing. But I realized something. I said earlier that, um, I'm reading my notes, that they aired the conservative narrative live on TV, wall-to-wall on every channel for the first time beyond Fox News. Yeah. But there's one other thing. The devices we have in our hands while we're watching it. So when they said words like Christopher Steele, how many people said, who is that? Mm -hmm. That's right. Google. Whoa. Yeah. Fusion GPS. Whoa. Right. Obama if they're, spy. If they're thoughtful enough, if they're thoughtful enough to watch the Mueller testimony at all, then they're thoughtful enough or engaged enough to do exactly what you just said. Right. And, and, and when people watch the Democrat debates, or <clears throat> for that matter, football, the Super Bowl, <clears throat> they'll be tw- tweeting, they'll be uh, texting to stats. each other, yeah. looking up stats all the time. There's constant engagement with their smartphones, like yeah, you said. So there's a force multiplier beyond this thing. And then I, I remember um, a few weeks ago, I was at a speech where Brandon Strock of the move away, Walk Away Movement was right. speaking. And he talked about, in his experience, how he was just asking questions of his fellow Democrat friends. And most of them just attacked him for asking the question. So picture this. You hear the words Fusion GPS. You go, well, what is that? You look it up. Then you turn to your friend, either text them, turn to them next to you, or say... This doesn't look right. And how many of those friends said, shut up, that's a right-wing conspiracy, you you know, fill in the expletive yeah, expletive, here. Yeah. And the person said, well, Jesus, your reaction is so... It's so off. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong? Well, anyway, you know, so- And then they dig more <clears throat> the way branded it, and then they're like, oh, time to walk away. Yeah, time to walk away. Well, this is a conversion moment, and it's it's emblematic, as we said in the very beginning of the show, that something is amiss, something is awry in the Democrat Party. You are seeing, you know, everyone predicts the last gasp of uh, the Democrat Party or the Republican Party every once in a while. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I am saying this version of the Democrat Party is about to end. It's not a good, it's not a good version. I'd say within five years, you won't be able to recognize the. De- they'll, they'll still be the Democrat Party. They'll still have basic principles. Of you know bigger of government and such, a, yeah, that's a good point. But, but basic principle. But they will they will make the effort to make to reinvent themselves. They'll make the effort. They'll they'll claim that they've done it. Maybe they'll succeed. Maybe they won't. I, I, frankly, I hope that they do reinvent themselves. You know, like in Israel, for example, um, part of what I like about the parliamentary system. Not that I'm advocating it for here. One of the things I do like about it, though, is. You gain so many seats based upon your uh, your influence, and the Labor Party, which is their version of the, of the Democrat Party, has completely collapsed. I mean, this is the party in Israel. Hold on, that was tell me that again. Tell me that again. Yeah, tell the me. Labor Party has completely collapsed. All right, <laughs> it, it it only has four percent. It only got four percent of the vote. It's, it's phenomenal. Hold on. How many? Remember that joke about Obama? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me again. How many I don't, I don't want to lose my train of thought. Okay. And we need to wrap this up anyway. Yeah. So 4% of the vote. And then this other party, the blue and white party, which, you know, it appeared to be, you know, some sort of contrast to the Likud party, which is the version of the conservative party. Uh, the blue and white party is actually quite a conservative party. They, they, they're pretty much aligned with what we would say in America as the conservative party. So it was basically two different kinds of conservative playing out in Israel. Had uh, this guy, Benjamin uh, Gantz, won, it would not have been a terrible thing at all. He's very conservative. 
but the Labor Party completely collapsed. Now, it would be nice if our Democrat Party somehow reinvented itself so that it became more like the blue and white party is in Israel. I could live with that. Uh, but it's right now the Democrat Party has gone so far left. It's the party of of communism, uh, of, of no consequences murder, for yeah. abortion. It's about communism. It's about no violence. borders, right? And it's about violence uh, and, and many other yes. things, peeing in the streets and defecating in the streets and homelessness and yeah, and banning and, banning straws and cars and bags on normal people and letting criminals just run wild and, do, and poop, poop wherever they right. want. In our uh, yeah, yeah, that's what uh, they're really about. Decriminalizing uh, marijuana use and criminalizing pronoun use, right? That's yeah. that's where it's at with the Democrat Party right now. And it's a little wackadoodle. And things are going to change. I, I think that the Democrats, you know, again, speaking for today, a lot of things can happen until November of next year, which is more than a year away. Uh, but speaking for today, it's a landslide for Trump. Oh, it's a landslide. Bigger than a landslide. Yeah. He, I, I, I said this, uh, you know, over the last few months. I said, I thought... Several months ago, he'd win 46, 47 states. I think he's going to break Reagan's record and win all 50. Oh, I man. think from I your think lips to God's ears. I, I, we're in West LA, and everyone I talk to is sick of it. Yeah. Everyone, only the most lefty, loony, lunatic idiots yeah. aren't, and everyone can see it. And it's emblematic. It, it's just a beautiful thing. And speaking about the future, what we'd hope, I'll give it voice now, is I would love to see a, a staunchly conservative, somewhat theological party called the Republican Party. And then I'd like to see a more secular libertarian party so that the overlaps on the things they agree on are all, you know, free market, freedom of speech, all that stuff. Right. But there's one party that's a little more conservative on social issues and a party that's a little more permissive on social issues, but they're in correct alignment morally. And, and on uh, America I, I agree. being pro-America. That, well, that's what we'd like to see. Okay, so this is how I'm going to wrap it up. And um, that, that kind of tees off very nicely to what I'm about to say. You, you, you speak about morals, and you're right to speak about morals. Uh, I think that America doesn't make sense without morality and, and a good, good form of morality, for that matter, a really good degree of it. And you can't have morality without God. The Democrat Party has... Abandoned God, I think, in as effective 2012. Right? We saw it live. We on saw it live on TV, and and it's gotten worse and worse over time. And they're more and more dogmatic about how God should not be in the public square. <clears throat> they're offended by the very notion of God, and putting it aside that that's not even what the First Amendment says. And but but even if it did say it, it's there's a difference between saying, hey, listen, let's you know we need secularity in our government in order to move forward and to not favor one religion over the other. And being very hostile to all Christian-based religions, or or, or, or Jewish, the Jewish the Western religion. civilization, and, based they are they're so yeah. hostile to that, and and that's where, and it's it's showing, it's it's showing in a falling apart, not only of issues that should be moral, such as abortion, such as the sanctity of life, and the the sanctity of the border for that matter and the transgender issues and the um the homelessness issues and and the crime issues and the marijuana use issues all that crazy stuff transgender gay, gay marriage they they it's a wide open season and at some point people say there's got to be some sort of structure here and they can't hope that the democrats will say yeah we believe in law and order and that that will be good enough it's like it's like saying yeah the check is in the mail i well is it is it or is it not and we're, I think that a lot of Democrats are going to be tired of saying that that things will be okay, that somehow things will be better, and because when it's clearly it's not. And the godlessness of the Democratic Party is beginning to show in the form of lies, because liars, there's a, there's a very strong correlation between those who deeply believe in God. I'm not talking about pay lip service to it. And it's hard to get in somebody's brain, right? But people who truly, deeply believe in God and those who lie frequently— there's very little overlap between those two circles. There, there ain't no Venn diagram here that, that could, uh, I mean, the, the Venn diagram here would show there's very little intersection. And that's the way it is. And most people who have any sense of God, or for that matter, just have a sense of logic, can look at this and say, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. And that's what the Mueller testimony that we saw yesterday was all about. And they don't even realize how many people have converted 
to the conservative cause just from yesterday alone. Yet another conversion moment. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.